This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Going right to your phone calls to uh, start things out tonight. We go to Brian in Colorado on the amp line. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Uh, as you remember, uh, I was uh, arrested in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, oh, a few weeks ago for uh, asking a cop a question. Right, right. You, you. you had left, a, uh, I guess, a drinking establishment, and you noticed that there was uh, some commotion. looked like they were arresting someone. You went over there t- uh, with your handy video phone and started recording the scene, and that's uh, when they took an interest in you. And I got the uh, police report. I was really looking forward to that. I got it, you know, just the, the day before. Well, I, I went to trial last uh, Friday. Mm-hmm. So the day before I got the police report, it takes them a while to write up a half sheet. <laughs> and, you know, they basically said that, uh, you know, he was uh, a suspect, was uh, uh, too close to the, the car, and I couldn't get in at an inventory. I was 10 feet for the car. <laughs> I was nowhere near the car. Right. And, uh and then they said, they made a point that I had a cigar, that I, was, I had a cigar through the whole encounter. Now, he asked me to put the cigar out, and I asked him why, because, you know, I think that's a valid question. There might be a law against having a cigar in, in you know, Tulsa walking on the sidewalk. I didn't know. It could so be. I, you I never know. Of course, he didn't, he didn't come up with anything. Right. Anyway, I, I had my camera, you know, my video phone in one hand, and I had a cigar in the other. And the, guy, the police report, I, I guess they had to make it out so that I was, I was evil, and the police report said he he was uh, uh, several times he put his hands in his in his coat pocket. So the suggestion was you might have been uh, fingering a weapon of some sort. It was winter, right? Exactly. Well, it was winter, but I, I had one hand. I had my cigar. The other hand, I had my cell phone. I guess with my third hand, I was fingering my weapon. <laughs> I guess. So All right. um, that, that's that's where we are. Uh, went to court, and the prosecutor said we're not going to charge this. Dismissed. Wow, so you had to go all the way up to Tulsa just to appear for that? No, I had to pay a lawyer 200 bucks to do it for me, because otherwise it would have cost me 500 bucks for a plane ticket. Right, okay, that makes sense. I mean, what a scam. You know, they, they, they dismissed it just, you know, it, it took him five minutes. So I paid a lawyer 200 bucks for, I don't know, what, 10 minutes worth of work? Right. Otherwise, I would have been in contempt of court, you know, bench, uh, bench warrant, all this other stuff. Sure, so basically their position was, we've got nothing, let's drop the charges. But and, not after I, you know, had to go through all this, uh, all this trouble for nothing. Now, what was it you were facing? What were the charges exactly? Do you recall? Yeah, the the charge. Well, they arrested me, but they didn't say what I was arrested for. I mean, when I, I spent the night in jail, and everyone says, you know, we're all sharing what we're what we're busted for, and I said I have absolutely no idea. Mm. I finally found out it was on this little half sheet of paper with you know the date that I'm supposed to appear, and it was uh, twenty seven three hundred. I remember the number. Okay, so I'm busted for a twenty seven three hundred. Thank you very much. Uh, what is this? <laughs> You know, get out of here, citizen. And so I went went back to the hotel. I looked it up, and it's uh, uh, resisting officers. Hmm. It, it's basically the same charge you get if you you know hit a cop over the head at a traffic stop, or you know is something you, know, you run away from a, from the scene of a crime or something. I mean, it, it's it's just total BS. Well, resisting officers could be construed as uh, you not doing what they ordered you to do. Anything they order you to do, if you don't do it, that could be considered resisting the officer. Well, that's exactly what it was. I, I yeah. kept asking him. He says, uh, uh, put that cigar on. I said, why? 
And he said, you know, step back to the curb. I'm going to have to ask you to step back to the curb, yeah. you know, that old, that old uh, <laughs> phrase. And uh, I said, uh, you know, why? <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me your ID. Uh, I don't have an idea to show you. You know, all the standard stuff. So I, I, I pissed him off, I guess. Yeah, why don't they just have a charge called questioning officer? I mean, that's well, what that you was... were doing, and they don't, wanna, they don't like that. They don't like it when you citizens get all these questions in your head and you want them answered. How dare you? Right. Well, I, I think that would be a little too obvious that, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's obviously a, a bad law. But resisting officers... And you know, I was just going to let it go. I mean, the the fine is two hundred bucks. I paid a lawyer two hundred bucks. You know, why why uh, why do that? But uh, I thought, well, you know, uh, this is going to be on my permanent record. Yeah. And every time I you know roll through a stop sign and get stopped by a cop for the rest of my life, they're going to see this resisting officers on my uh, on my on my rap sheet. Yeah, and if you've got to spend the two hundred, better to put it in the lawyer's pocket, though not much better, but uh, slightly better to put it in his pocket than the state. Right. Well, I'm glad that turned out all right for you, Brian, and, and hopefully you won't encounter any other issues before you get up here to New Hampshire, because I know you are a member of the Free State Project. Yes, I am. And in fact, uh, today I just uh, bought a house. Whoa. I bought a house in, uh, in New Hampshire. Just uh, Well, we haven't closed yet. We'll close in uh, another few weeks. But uh, they, uh, we put the offer last night. They accepted it and uh, transferred the cash today. Uh, so we're we're on our way. That's fantastic. So you got some big acreage because I know you uh, you're into horses, right? Yes, uh, my wife Heidi has uh, way too many horses. You know, there's I don't think there's anybody who has two horses. Anybody either either have one horse or way too many. No, <laughs> no I, one ever has two. I don't think anyone just, has a horse that makes money either. Oh no, no. Well, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a if you're a, well, she wants to get into, into horse racing, mm-hmm. and so she's got a couple of uh, of racing horses. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a uh, horse racing is a is a really good way to make a little bit of money. Uh, the way to make a little bit of money in horse racing is you start with a lot of money. <laughs> and that's what, it just loses. <laughs> yeah, so we, we bought we bought a house. It's actually three different lots all put together under the same sale, and it was ninety thousand bucks under the uh, assessed value. So they they wanted to move fast. It went on the market on Saturday, I think, and we uh, uh, we bought it on Sunday. Well, it is it is a good time to be a home buyer. It really is a, a buyer's market in general. But I'm curious, uh, you own a business, Brian. How is that going to be for you? Because right now, most of the people that have come into New Hampshire within the past couple of years as part of the Free State Project, which for those who aren't aware is a movement of liberty-loving activists all moving to the same state. In this case, New Hampshire was chosen. Most of the people that have moved within the last few years have been single guys or young people that don't have a lot tying them down. Obviously, you've got a home, you've got several horses, you've got a business of your own. What's the process like for you to actually move your business up here? Well, actually, uh, I first heard about the Free State Project from you guys. I went on iTunes and, you know, typed in Libertarian and found Free Talk Live. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as soon as I heard uh, the Free State Project, I said, we're going. We've got to go, because I'm a big fan of Galt's Gulch out of, uh, from uh, Atlas Shrugged. Been mm-hmm. looking for that for the last 20 years. And I, I think this could be it, although, you know, it's not going to be exactly like that, obviously. Right. So uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I started thinking about moving. And when I went to the Liberty Forum last year, the 2007, I guess, um, that's when I said, this is it. We're, we're accelerating. And, uh, and so I had about, oh, at that point, five or six full-time employees and, and some, uh, some part-time and contractors. Mm-hmm. I converted everybody to contractor. Um, and told them, you know, you guys can come to New Hampshire or, or not. And I've just kind of dwindled down to business over the last year um, and, you know, doing more of the work myself. Right. And so now I'm down to 
Zero. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so, so you're... it's just me. Uh, I'm going to move there and then uh, start it back up again. Very cool. So, so, uh, yeah, so in that case, what's your ETA, Brian, when are you coming up here? Well, we'll be there. Uh, uh, we're going to be a, a trip. Uh, uh, my son, Cooper, whom uh, you guys have met, yes. uh, has an audition for uh, the music program at Plymouth University the first week in April. So we're going to be there that week. Uh, we'll close on the house at that point, I think. And then uh, uh, we're planning to move the first week in June. I just bought a new truck wow. so we can uh, haul all of our stuff. That's pretty uh, exciting, man. So you're, so you're going to be we're, in uh, probably around Porkfest time then. That, that's the plan. We'll, we'll, we'll drive the week before that, and then we'll be here for Porkfest. Fantastic. Well, I guess we'll be seeing you then. Brian, thanks for the call tonight, and congratulations again on your purchase. Very good, sir. Brian, of course, is a member of the First 1000 Pledge, which is going to uh, ensure that a 1,000 activists are here in New Hampshire by the end of this year. We've already got 500 in state. The last time I looked, over 500. Uh, so we're expecting to have a 1,000 by the end of the year. Obviously, uh, a lot of people are going to be moving in the springtime, in the summer, in the fall. So we're going to see, a, I think, a nice little increase pretty soon. Yeah, I, 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 I can't wait, because I know that uh, as the First 1000 really uh, ramps up, we're going to have quite a few more activists here in uh, New Hampshire, and we've already managed to uh, make some make some waves and get some results with the legislature. Right, and I mean, with, that's with only about, I think, two or three hundred movers. Not everybody who's in the count right now moved. There were a couple hundred, I'm not sure the exact number, right. were here already before, when the vote was taken, so they just automatically were movers. So we're going to be able to do much, much more than we have so far. I mean, not just with the legislature, but in all kinds of activism. Exactly. If you've really been enjoying the news you've heard about the activism here in New Hampshire so far within the last few years, it's just going to keep getting better. There's going to be so much more to cover in the near future. And uh, now we've got uh, people with families and businesses. They're now able to move up. Uh, You're going to see more of this happening, and it's pretty exciting. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show... Just go and click and download right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Uh, Once again, that is freetalklive.com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has got a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com slash talk and get 50% off of of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off at AdamEve.com slash talk. 800-259-9231. Continuing here, this is an interesting little story you found, actually, Mark, uh, from thinksimplenow.com. Some ways to improve what they call eight keys to instant charisma. Ways to uh, help people like you better. Maybe you aren't, uh, I don't know, maybe you just have a tough time connecting with people. This can give you some interesting tips and tricks, which a lot of people that are in the sales business, they know a number of these. So, Mark, I'm sure you'll have some comments. And uh, Nick, as a a realtor, you're in the sales business as well. Of course, everybody's actually in the sales business, right? I mean, everybody's selling themselves. Yeah. So these are important things to uh, to realize. Uh, even if you aren't out trying to make a commission on something, if you're trying to make a connection with a human resources manager to get a new job or to move up, I mean these are all these are very important life skills. The story starts out here. It says there's a simple fact of human nature that states we all want to be liked. Don't be afraid to admit it. If we think about it, underlying many of our actions, we're really seeking ways to validate ourselves and to fulfill this desire of being liked. 
Have you ever met someone and instantly took a liking toward them? You can't explain why, but you feel a fondness and you'd like to do things to help them. Now, I'm not talking about sexual attraction, but a genuine and innocent feeling of fondness toward another person. In a job interview, you're more likely to be hired if the interviewer likes you as a person. Yep. In a business situation, you're more likely to get deals done and gain favors. Sure. In a personal situation, you're more likely to gain trust and loyal friendships. When we decide that we like someone, it's a psychological process that we can't quite articulate. It's not a secret that we make decisions emotionally and justify them logically. I so, had uh, quite a few advertisers when I was uh, selling local radio tell me that they really liked my hair. It's good to know. It's important. Uh, so does this mean that we, we can influence? Apparently, it works for the presidential candidates. So. <laughs> why, why wouldn't it? So does this mean we can influence an emotional decision that happens subconsciously? I believe that decisions can be influenced, and I know that the qualities of a likable person can be cultivated and proactively developed. Do you want to know how to develop the skills to be likable? He goes on to say, I was helping my partner Adam prepare for an interview last night. At one point, I had to explain to him the power of mirroring and that it can make others feel more comfortable around you. When I first heard about mirroring, I was told that if you're afraid the other person will get suspicious of you mimicking them, then you must be the type of person who thinks that people are actually listening when you're talking. I mentioned this, and we laughed at it, and I said, trust me, just try it out. It really works. We went off on another topic, and he asked me a question about the usability testing in software. I went on answering it, and ten minutes went by, and I was still talking. It felt as if I couldn't stop talking. When I finally finished covering all areas of software usability testing, including excruciating details that he would have had little, little interest in, he burst out laughing. So apparently he used mirroring on me, and it worked. What's amazing is it worked on me after having just told him about it. I didn't even have a clue that he was mirroring me. It occurred to me that likability can actually be cultivated like many skills. Now, aside from being polite and respectful, there are several specific things we can pay particular attention to. Now, I'm not asking you to pretend, but to be aware of these things when engaged in a conversation. The little things make a big difference in how others perceive us. Number one, and he mentioned it earlier, it's mirroring. And this is, in, this is an interesting one. Uh, it's a simple technique, and it was the inspiration for the article. It's copying the other person's physical mannerisms, their movements, and facial expressions when engaged in a conversation. You become a mirror image of the other person. Many people just do this naturally. It's, it's amazing to watch in a conversation when one person will make some facial expression, the other person will, will mirror it, and um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it seems to be natural. So... It, to some extent, but you know, I would think that uh, doing, you know, being conscious of it helps. Now, this isn't to say that you should do exactly the same thing that the other person is doing. I think that if you take do an experiment and do exactly the same thing that the other person is doing two seconds after they do it, that you will find that, that person is completely oblivious to uh, you doing it. I think you're probably right about that, um, but you know it can also be simple. Simple as, uh, for instance, if you're sitting at a table with someone and they're leaning forward, you should also be leaning forward. Yeah. It doesn't mean that if they scratch their eyebrow, you have to go up and scratch your eyebrow too. That's I, I think that might be taking it a step too far. I, I, I would agree with you, but um, you know people scratch their eyebrows in different manners, and if someone sees them, you scratch your eyebrow in the same manner that they scratch theirs. That it might it give could, them, it that, couldn't score your that points. That might be overstretching. I, it, it might be. I, yeah. but, 
I don't know. It might work, Remember, too. we're just hairless monkeys. You're right. Well, you know? I, think, I think, though, if you're paying that much attention to every little thing they're doing, you probably aren't listening to them very carefully. I'll give you that. So I, I don't know if I would go that far. But nonetheless, uh, it happens naturally in social interactions. But when you're conscious of it and are aware of its effects, it can be used as a tool in effective communication for generating rapport. Now, mirroring happens on its own on a natural basis because some people are just in sync with one another. They just... They're just on that same wavelength, yeah. and, it, and it just happens naturally. Uh, but if you do pay attention and you do make an extra effort, it can help you win those, uh, those bonus points. Mirroring someone closely will cause you to feel what they're feeling to some extent. I did an exercise once in a group of three during a workshop. One person starts by visualizing a scene, seeing, feeling, and experiencing the scene. A second person imitates this person's facial expressions and physical postures. A third person adjusts the second person's facial expressions and physical postures until he thinks that they're identical. After several minutes, the second person explains what she was feeling. Not only does the second person feel the feelings of the first person, but will at times see what the first person is seeing in his imagination. He says, I was blown away after trying this out myself. Hmm. The next time you're engaged in a conversation with someone, try mirroring body language, posture, and facial expressions. You'll find the conversation suddenly feels very friendly and open. For example, if you're sitting across the table from someone, you watch them pick up a glass of water with their left hand and gently lean forward, then to the right. You mirror them by holding your glass of water with your right hand, leaning forward and toward the left. Just makes a suggestion that you give that a try. It can be very, very powerful. In fact, one thing they don't suggest here that might also be a good idea to try mirroring is their uh, their tone or their, their quickness of speech. If you're, for instance, sitting across from someone who is very slow at talking, mm. you're not going to be in sync if you're jibber-jabbering away. So perhaps you should consider mirroring their their pattern of speech as well. Just a suggestion. Uh, number two, another good way to help people like you better is to remember names. Now, this oh, yeah. one is tough for me. It's 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 a tough gig. At one point, I um, used to be very good at it. Unfortunately, my system included matching names and faces. And now that I'm a talk radio host, I I often forget callers' names and because I have no face to go with mm. it. But. Uh, I, I would work at a, well, a, a retail establishment where people would come in and I'd get their names, um, you know, and then I would remember their names when yeah. they came in again, and they were always impressed. Absolutely. It, it is harder over the phone. I've noticed that, too, and I'm not naturally good with names, but just getting a name over the phone and taking a note down, it makes it a lot harder to associate a number with a name than somebody you've actually spoken to. I don't think anyone's naturally good with names. I think that everybody's like, oh, well, I remember faces. But you have to try to remember names. And once you try, once you play a little game with yourself, um, and and don't mind losing the game, because people know that people forget names. Yeah, I'm totally forgiving uh, when it comes to it. I think that most people probably are. But let's continue with this. Uh, There's more tips here in moments. And yours as well, if you want to add into this conversation. 800-259-9231. Of course, you can also bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so do enjoy those. 
on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this, this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. 800-259-9231. We continue the eight keys to instant charisma. This is from thinksimplenow.com. How to help people or uh, help yourself be uh, more likable by people that you're meeting in, uh, in your personal life, uh, perhaps in a business sense, or uh, for whatever the situation might be. It's always good to be liked better. And the first and excellent technique they gave is mirroring, which, in case you're just tuning in, is basically when you're sitting with someone or, or conversing with another person to do what they're doing. Uh, if they're speaking quickly, then speak as fast as they do. Uh, if they are leaning forward, you should be leaning forward as well. They are touching their face. You may also want to consider touching your face. It is uh, You're basically being the mirror image of, uh, of them, and that helps them feel more comfortable at a very subconscious, uh, subconscious level with you. So we continue here. Remembering names is also very important. Personally, says the author, I'm always impressed when others I've just met remember my name and use it in a sentence. Since birth, our parents, teachers, friends, uh, friends and family have hardwired the sound of our name in our brain. It's certain to get your attention instantly. It makes you feel important and respected, filling our desire for attention and love. Recall the last time someone who you just met parted by declaring, nice to meet you, so-and-so. Weren't you impressed? They're clearly interested in you enough to remember your name, and you want to show them the same respect. Always make an effort to remember people's names. Now, there are some tips that you can uh, that you can take on to, to help with this process. And you said, Mark, that you like to match people's names with their face. Would there be a process that you'd go through in your head after you got their name the first time? Uh, yeah, I'd get their name. I'd use it in a, uh, I'd use it while I was speaking to them, try to use it three times. And uh, then once they walked away from me, because I usually, you know, um, when I was doing it so often, I would usually have an opportunity after the person left to remember, and I'd envision their face and then say their name, uh, you know, five times to myself. So at that point, I had repeated their name eight times with their face, you know, imprinted in my mind. That's a good idea. I should try that because I've never actually made a point of doing that repetition, and I think that's got that's probably really important. Repeating it over and over again. That's what helps you remember things. Uh, so number three, be interested. People love talking about themselves. Seriously. Ask questions that the other person will enjoy answering. If it's a complete stranger, start with the basics and dig deeper. Rephrase their words to make sure you really understand what they're saying. You can think of this technique as verbal mirroring. By asking questions about their interests or feelings, you are mirroring their interest in themselves. Now really listen when the person is answering. Only when you're listening will you actually absorb what was said and will actually feel interested. If you run into a boring conversation, find ideas that do interest you and refocus the conversation. Ask questions and make it a game. And this really can be fun. It can be a fun experiment beyond the uh, the mirroring experiment, which is also neat. Uh, I remember one time I was on a Greyhound bus and I was riding back to uh, to Florida at that time and a an old lady uh, was sitting across the uh, the aisle from me, and so I had just learned of the the idea of asking uh, you know asking people questions and how if you get people to talk about themselves they 'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk 
I mean, really. Yeah. If you ask enough open-ended questions, how do you feel about why you don't ask yes or no questions? That's the one thing you want to avoid, because if you ask a yes or no question, then you're at a dead end when the person answers yes or no. Uh, so you want to open, ask the open-ended questions. And so I experimented with that, and I swear to you, the entire bus ride that this woman was, was on, we conversed about her life and her and I don't think I ever told her word one about me. Mm. She got off that bus, and she had had a wonderful conversation about herself, and she didn't even know who, who it was she was talking she to. Was just, you were just experimenting with her, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, um, it worked well. <laughs> I guess. I, I often find that there are many people, listening skills I have to uh, use at certain times, because most people, I don't have the time or interest to talk to. You know, uh, when when I'm sitting down at a restaurant and somebody wants to chat or something like that, I you know I've got places to be, I've got appointments and and things to do. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's money to be made out there in the world, and uh, the vast majority of people I come in contact with don't have money for me because <laughs> I sell radio ads. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, and then when you get on when I get on the phone, um, as far as talking to people, you know, I I can kick them in, but. I, I, I'm often very careful with my use of uh, the tools to get conversations going. Whereas uh, Nick over here, who uh, sells real estate, everybody has to have a home to live in. That's so. true. They do. Um, if you're calling on the or calling or speaking with them personally, and it's on a business-related note, though, um, what I'm hearing here for these steps, it's pretty good for for the average person just in life to relate to people. Yeah, I think um, so. But in sales, if if I'm interested in trying to, if somebody mentions they're interested in selling their house, my objective then is to get them to a point where they say, come over and talk to us about listing it. My it's my goal is not to hear about, you know, their cat or their aunt <laughs> Betty. Sure. You know, I, that, I, I, might, I might have to go through that phase of the conversation, but ultimately I'm trying to steer it somewhere to get either accepted or rejected. Well, what the article's saying is that it wants, uh, that, that, you know, being able to, being a good conversationalist makes people like you. People liking you makes them more likely to want to list their house with you. Absolutely, it does. I'm just saying that what I've heard so far isn't a complete package for trying to. If you're trying to sell something or you have an right. objective in a conversation, it's not a complete package. But they are good conversational skills, and that is Absolutely. an important part of of relating to people. This isn't uh, necessarily a sales uh, manual here. Mm-hmm. This is just how to relate better to people how to build charisma, and this can apply to sales, as you've said, in certain ways. So make sure you pick and choose what's necessary for your goals. Well, you know, it's, there, there's certain times to use it. One of the times is when you're talking to people about, uh, you know, financial issues, uh, you know, making money, business. Other times is when you're uh, trying to make friends in a certain circumstance or trying to find a significant other, that kind of thing. These can all be very good. Yeah. I have to say that I also agree with their suggestion that you rephrase what they're saying in order to better understand it. Because nothing is – few things are worse when you're having a conversation with someone to have them nod and go, mm-hmm, uh-huh. There's a certain legislator around here in New Hampshire, uh, Senator Molly Kelly, that does – is very guilty of this. Uh, she'll just nod, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, as though she's actually paying attention to what you're saying. Uh, I find that very patronizing, whereas if you're listening to someone, you're making an effort to listen to them, you can really show them that you've listened by going and rephrasing what they're saying. So if I'm understanding you correctly, blah, 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 or here's what I'm hearing you say, blah, 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 that way they can either be impressed that you've correctly understood them, or they can find out that you've misunderstood them, and then they can correct what they were saying and rephrase it to where you can actually get what they were trying to tell you. So I think asking... 
for clarification is a very important thing to do. Number four, uh, on the list of eight keys to instant charisma, allowing others to talk. In addition to asking questions, it's important to allow the other person to talk. And this means that you stop talking. Stop talking about yourself, stop inserting your opinions, and refrain from interrupting. Next time you're engaged in a conversation, now that doesn't apply to talk radio, by the way. (laughs) It applies to your real relationships. Next time you're engaged in a conversation, practice not saying anything after asking a question. This might mean not speaking for several minutes. Even when the other person appears to be finished, practice not speaking for 30 seconds. Oftentimes, the person still thinking is actually pausing and will start speaking again. By doing so, you'll get a lot more depth from that person. Many girlfriends I know have the interruption problem, myself included. Obviously female, I guess, wrote this. Uh, Pay particular, uh, particular attention to this skill. You'll be amazed at the wealth of thoughtful goodness coming from your partner. Being a patient listener is a great way to connect with and get to know people. And this is uh, this is something that they use <clears throat> that they use in sales is that when you're asking for the order, when uh, you you've brought that customer through the or that potential that prospect through the process, whatever the process is for what you're selling, and you finally ask them for their order, ask them for the sale, one thing they tell you is shut up. Ask the mm-hmm. question and shut up and let that person uh, answer. We'll come back with more of this and uh, your calls as well. If you've got something to add to the eight keys to instant charisma, chime in here at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become a Free Talk Live amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com. It'll cost you all of three bucks a month, and it's completely voluntary. It's a great way to help the show get on more radio stations from coast to coast on over 33 now. Thanks to listeners just like you from becoming Free Talk Live amplifiers at amp.freetalklive.com. You get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in line chat room and forum. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Talking about the eight keys to instant charisma, this is from thinksimplenow.com. A quick recap here. Number one, mirroring. Do what the person you're talking to is doing. Two, remember their name. Three, be interested, sincerely interested, and really listen when that person is talking to you. Uh, Number four, allow them to talk. When you ask a question, be quiet. Don't interrupt them. Don't uh, insert your opinion. If you really want to know what they have to say, you should be quiet so you can listen to them. Because if you're talking, you aren't listening. Number five, intention. Send out the intention that you would like to get to know this person better. To really listen to them and to be there for them. I'm always amazed at the power of intention, which I believe is the seed for starting anything, whether it's a goal or a friendship. Make a wish for the other person and send out a positive intention for your interaction. Now, that's more of like a metaphysical one, but, uh, you know, if you're feeling good about that person and, and that's what you want, you're thinking about what you want, and that is to cultivate a better relationship... You might just naturally, subconsciously go in that direction. Well, I, I would think that you're, you're sort of, uh, to, to use the ontological, um, you're sort of being uh, what it takes to, uh, you know, do whatever it is you're thinking about. So if you're uh, thinking about, I would like to cultivate a deeper friendship with this person, you're open to that, and you know, the other person is going to naturally see that. Number six, offer help. 
We're mostly self-seeking or driven, uh, self-seeking and are driven by motivations that benefit us, with the exception of some extreme cases in parent-child relationships. But let's face it, we're self-seeking most of the time because it's a natural part of our survival instincts. Even if we're working on a good cause, we almost always have a reason for helping that's personally beneficial. When others genuinely offer their help, we feel particularly fond of them. Why? Offering help is a kind gesture that implies a respect and admiration for you. And when we put ourselves in their shoes, would it be uh, advantageous to, to offer help to others? I'm a big believer in giving more than I take in return. And my personal motto, to get what you want, help others get what they want first. And I have to say I've repeated that one over and over again on this show. I think that one is uh, one of the most important rules or axioms to live by. Uh, that if you want to get whatever you want in life, if you want it, you have to help others get what they want first before you'll really be able to get it. I have to agree. It seems like a truth to me. Find a need that others have that you can provide. Offer help. Even just a casual email offering help uh, Email offering help will make the world of difference toward how this person feels about you. And think about how we've seen this work here in New Hampshire, Mark. We talked earlier about the Free State Project. Of course, Nick, you're a New Hampshire native, but I know you've seen a number, uh, a number of these things in action where these free staters, these liberty-loving activists, are moving into New Hampshire. And one of the things that they know when they're moving in, or at least they should know, is that they can... Put a request for uh, for moving assistance up on a, an Internet forum, for instance, uh, the nhfree.com forum. You let people know when you're moving, where you're moving to, and you invite them to join you and help you out. Usually it, it's nice if you offer some pizza or some refreshments of some sort. Uh, but Seems appropriate. But uh, we went to a couple of our listeners moved up here uh, to New Hampshire, Bill and Kate, and we went to their move-in. There were, what, 40 people that showed up there? To help those folks move in? Sounds right. There was so much assistance. We were actually running a little late. By the time we got there, everything had been unloaded. Yeah. It, uh, it just went lickety-split. <laughs> so when, when you're on the receiving end of all of, that, uh, all of that assistance, which you could have unloaded your truck by yourself, but here's 40 people waiting to help you do it. You, you have that, uh, that, that level of assistance. It makes you want to give back to, uh, to those people for, for giving that to you. And so inevitably, when other people move into the area, you'll want to show up. And help them unload their truck to return the favor, even if it's not to the same people uh, that helped you in the in the first place. So it's a wonderful little uh, situation that we have up here. Number seven, smile. This is an easy one. Do you remember how you felt when you saw a genuine smile or awkwardly standing in an elevator full of strangers and suddenly someone smiles at you? It really is contagious and it shifts your state to a positive one. Smile genuinely. Start by smiling at friends. Try lifting the spirits of passing strangers. I um I, I think about this one um enough. I've thought about it a few times, and I have this this sort of tendency to give a a, a kind of a a grimace when I see people the first time. I'm I'm smiling, but I'm I'm like scared to smile somehow, hmm. and it, it it comes across as I don't know this this flat lined look thing, and uh, it I I think that if people think about really smiling when they uh, first meet someone or talk to them or walk past them on the street or something like that. I, I've noticed I get a, a much better result when I really smile as opposed to this kind of look that I give. Now, instead. do you smile with teeth? You show yes, teeth? generally. That's usually, uh, that's usually important. Yeah. Looks more like a smile that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I've actually, I have actually practiced smiling at one point in my life. Uh, it's something you can do, for instance, if you're driving to work and you've got nothing else to do while you drive, you can practice smiling. And you basically get your face uh, used to smiling. Uh, you contort it in uh, in that way. You can hold the smile and you will create those little, uh, eventually, if you smile enough, you'll have those uh, 
what what do you call them? They, they're they're not really smile lines. Yeah, smile lines. I guess is an accurate enough term for them. Uh, and you know, you can tell people who smile a lot versus people who frown a lot. Can't you tell when you've got the like the old lady with the old frowny jowls? Don't you just don't you want to stay away from those people? <laughs> you can tell she's just been frowning all of her life, and she's obviously someone you don't want to spend any time with. So. If you smile more than you frown, that's a good thing for you. Uh, finally, number eight, the final key to instant charisma. Off- You'll be happier if you smile more than frown, too. That's true. It's a natural result. In fact, if you are not feeling good, if you're feeling down, and you just, even if you're faking it, if you smile to yourself, look at yourself while you smile, or just smile, believe it or not, you'll feel a little bit better. Try it sometime. True. Number eight, authenticity. Any of the above techniques will work by themselves, but become highly effective only when combined with authenticity. Always be genuine and be your complete self, no more and no less. When you're completely honest and speaking from your heart, you'll exuberate a kind of energy that people cannot help but to connect with. In that moment, you're pure, expressive, and radiating your true self. When others see and recognize that side of you, they're really seeing a reflection of that part of themselves. So, if you've got anything you wanted to add here, either of you two gentlemen have anything else to uh, chime in? Otherwise, we'll go to the phones. Nope, sounds good to me. 800. Sounds pretty straight on. 259-9231. The amp line, unscreened. Who's this? Hey, it's Sam. Sam, what's on your mind tonight? You're in my area of expertise again. Ah, excellent. Uh, Okay, so those are all uh, really good, and there's some other tools. These are the kinds of things that I'm using when I uh, go out and do my activism and kind of interface with the bureaucrats in a fun and kind of friendly way. Hmm. Uh, one of them that is really valuable is something called uh, NLP. Neuro linguistic something programming. Yeah. Programming. So the idea is um, when you experience something, the brain forms kind of a synapsis to a connection, and you can tie those to something called an anchor. And an anchor can be a touch that's done in a certain way. It can be a sound a phrase, a certain movement, and basically what's happening is you're associating that action, thought, or feeling with that anchor. Does that make sense? Not really. <laughs> okay, say you're in a meeting, and at the end of the meeting you say, clap your hands, great meeting, guys, and the next one you do the same thing, mm-hmm. great meeting, guys. What you're doing is tying that feeling at the end of a, of a meeting when it's closing off to that clap. Huh, okay. So then when you're sitting in a really long meeting that seems like it's never going to end, guess what you can do? And everybody starts to think, well, it's the end of the meeting, and that meeting will wrap up pretty quick. Mm, really? I've uh, often wanted to wrap up meetings very quickly. I should try <laughs> clapping. <laughs> but now but wait, now to... that's only if the other people that are there with you are used to you clapping to end exactly. a meeting. Exactly. That's where setting the anchor comes into play. But there's there's other aspects to it. There's also eye movements. And by the way... Um, this is what the FBI uses when they interrogate suspects. When they're asking questions, they're watching your eye movements because that tells them about you, about whether you're actually recalling something from memory or creating. Mm-hmm. And so people who look like down and to the right, those are kinesthetic people. They like talking about feelings. They need to uh, sleep on it. People who, whose eyes move back and forth, those are auditory people, and they'll use words like, that sounds good, uh, I hear what you're saying, you know, on and on. Whereas mm-hmm. people that, that look up, those are visual people who uh, would say things like, uh, I like the way that looks, 
you know, use more visual phrases in their wording. And that's another thing that you can mirror with people to create a connection. Sam, do you have more? Because I want to bring you back if you do. Sure. Hang on, dude. 800-259-9231. Continuing this conversation into our number two, how to connect better with people. It's important. Whether it's for business or your personal relationships, your family, your friends, uh, meeting new people, important to know these things, important to apply them. 1-800-259-9231. Would love your thoughts and your experiences working with these ideas. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you is 800-259-9231. That is, again, toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. All right, we go right into uh, your phone call. Sam is still on the line from Texas on the Amp Line. Last hour, we spent a good amount of time talking about ways to, to help people like you better. And uh, just to recap briefly, uh, you can mirror them, do what they're doing, make sure to make a point of remembering their name, be sincerely interested in what they're talking about, allow them to speak, shut up when you ask a question. Uh, also, intention, just you know, have the intention that you want to get to know them better inside you. Uh, offer to help them, smile and be authentic. Make sure you're really interested, don't just fake it. Uh, so that's an, those, are, those are eight tips that we gave you in detail last hour. If you missed it, just grab the archives later tonight at freetalklive.com. But, uh, Sam, you were talking about some extra tips, some other ideas, and I wanted to make sure you had enough time to get those out. Sure. There's two more I thought of that are kind of in line with the story during the break. Uh, one is really listening to the listening, uh, meaning when somebody's talking to me, I'm certainly listening to what they're saying and what they're trying to get across, but I'm also kind of stepping out of that and, and from a third perspective, saying, okay, what's the motivation for this person to say that to me? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, like sort of where where are they? Uh, where are they coming from? Yeah. Exactly, Mark. So when you understand that, you can – I'm able to really kind of cut to the core of the matter and, uh, you know, make sure both parties get their needs met through the interaction uh, just by really trying to understand where they're coming from and keeping that in the forefront – and the other thing that I do, I, I'm in sales, and I've always put my clients' needs first, uh, and I bring new products out of uh, research and development, and they make a lot of money, and that's the reason why is because I don't really look at what my company wants to do. That's a kind of a secondary consideration. It's really what about what does the client need and making sure that you're really going to bat for him and meeting their needs and making sure that you're, they're getting what they want. It's really helping others, kind of like you, you talk about, Ian. Right. Give people what they want in order to get what you want. If you've satisfied that client and if you've gone above and beyond the call of duty especially, uh, you will be rewarded for your efforts. Yes. Now, going back to NLP. Uh, th- th- Neuro-linguistic programming? Yes. And this comes out of the Pavlov dog experiments, which is where uh, Pavlov would feed these dogs dog food. And while they're eating, he would ring the bell. And, of course, when dogs eat, their tongue salivates to help digest the food. Uh, So he would do this over and over again, feed the dog, ring the bell while he's eating, ring the bell, ring the bell. And then he would not feed them but simply ring the bell. 
and noticed that the dog's tongue would salivate. Mm-hmm. And that's where all of these studies evolved from. And I believe people have been brought in and questioned about, you know, where did you come across this information and how did you know this by the FBI? Because it's the same techniques, interrogation methods that they're using. And just like you can match somebody's uh, speech mode, we all have, you know, one that we're primary in, which might be visual for a lot of people or auditory, but we also have a secondary uh, that we can switch to as well. Well, you can switch out of somebody's mode and start talking to them about, you know, how does that feel and things that are incongruent with their primary and secondary, and that will kind of repel the person from you. Hmm. So it kind of works both ways. Interesting observation, Sam. Anything else to share? Yeah, there's a book on face reading, which is another really interesting thing. It was written by a trial attorney in Dallas who was very successful at picking juries because he uh, would read their faces, determine their personality characteristics, draw profiles, and then pick jurors based on that. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. What's it called? It's Amazing Face Reading. And you can get it at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Ah, very good. Thanks for the plug, dude. Appreciate it, man. And thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. So talking about communicating and uh, communicating, with, uh, communicating, especially with others that we want to get uh, to get on a better uh, rapport with, that we want to like us better. And if you've got any stories that you want to share about how you've used some of these principles in your life, uh, whether it be personal or a business on a sales uh, sales call, for instance, we'd love to hear your story. Otherwise, we uh, we move on to the world of BitTorrent. Now, what is BitTorrent? Hmm? Well, I you want me to take a stab at it? I don't know. Either one of you. Um, it's something to do with the Internet and is it streaming data? <laughs> well, I mean, it's data that... Doesn't that it? It's sort of all data picks, streams picks data from different places, I think. Yeah, what it is is it's a neat little uh, piece of software that allows big files, usually big files, to be transferred in a pretty efficient manner. Uh, we use BitTorrent on our website to serve up an entire month's worth of archives, for instance. So we botch, you know, basically box them all up uh, into a little digital file. Uh, it's called the torrent. Now, actually, the torrent doesn't have the uh, the files you want in it. The torrent has the sort of information where your computer can get the files. So you download the torrent, your computer reads it, and it says, oh, I can get it from here, here, and here. And that's and then other listeners who are sharing right, the files. Right, other people on the Internet that are offering those same files uh, up for, for share, and it's starts to pull down pieces of the file from different people at the same time so you can aggregate a whole bunch of information at the same time rather than just getting the the one file from one location you might be getting it from 20 or even you know as much as 200 different people which can really result in some in some blisteringly fast transfer speeds okay i i knew what that was i just didn't know what it was called because we were actually at the last um free minds tv meeting we were discussing um downloading and how it applied to copyright laws mm-hmm. and talking about how well you're not actually taking a whole song from someone you're taking maybe a second of the song or worth yeah, of less data. than that yeah less That's than that point, yeah. so so in a way we were discussing how that could apply to copyright law and you know and there's a lot of law that's uh, a lot of questions regarding the law that have surrounded BitTorrent and other peer-to-peer file sharing methods on the internet for a long time now. Uh, but what's interesting is that the res- the response from the established industry, the old media, if you will, uh, the Recording Industry Association of America, the Motion Picture Association of America, being the two big baddies that are out there. And I'm sure you've heard the stories. We've talked about them here on this show of how the RIAA, for instance, has sued its own listeners. 
they have sued its own clients, their own customers, for downloading some music and have tried to extract thousands and thousands of dollars from their own customers, which seems a little strange to me why they would go about doing that. But they're old, they're kind of a dinosaur, and they don't know what to do about the changing times. Perhaps they, they, they realize that they won't be around much longer, and they're just going to get all the money they can. Right, and this story really points out why it is they, they just won't be around much longer. It's from Malmo, Sweden. And it's called Secrets of the Pirate Bay from Wired Magazine. Kind of an interesting look into the world of the men behind the Pirate Bay. Now, if you've paid any attention to the pirate scene over the last few years or or even encountered news stories, this is the most reported website. This is the website that is the thorn in the side of the RIAA and the MPAA and the other copyright groups around the world. Right. And this for is, good reason. Th- well, these are the people that believe that they have the right to share um, it, it, things that they have. You know, they've they've uh, acquired this stuff, this stuff, and then they feel they have the right to share it with others. Um, it's antithetical to what the uh, copyright laws currently are written um, like. But uh, you know, I, I I've got to say that if if they're not making money off of it, I don't have that big of a problem. Well, it's Saturday night, and I'm lounging on a living room sofa surrounded by lanky twenty somethings in shorts and deep tans. Across from me, a wire emerges from a green Xbox, modified to stream movies from its hard drive. It snakes past two dusty turntables and into a video projector, which is displaying a menu of movies that would make Blockbuster jealous. Peter, this living room's owner, selects a title, and the text, For Your Consideration, fades onto the screen, marking this movie as a leaked screener from the Academy Awards. Someone in Hollywood ripped their review DVD copy of the film and uploaded it onto the Internet, mm. where it eventually found its way to this hacked game console in Sweden. Peter, Chucker, uh, Peter chuckles and others cheer. And barely a month after, Swedish police raided their server room and carted two administrators and their legal help off in handcuffs, the lanky co-operator of the Pirate Bay, the most popular and hunted piracy site in the world, settles back to watch a pirated copy of Spanglish. Harbored by a country where 1.2 million out of its 9 million citizens tell their own census that they engage in file sharing. That's a tremendous percentage of the population admitting to file sharing. Yeah. The Pirate Bay is as much a national symbol as it is a website. Protected by weak Swedish copyright laws, the bay survived the attack uh, by the authorities and grew as movie uh, movie studio lawyers felled competing BitTorrent trackers one by one. Basically, as these pirate websites continue to be taken down by the authorities and the RIAA and those guys, the Pirate Bay lives on. What's their strategy, and how can they continue doing this? We'll explore that here in moments. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those on us. And they include the bulletin board system. Over 300,000 posts created by listeners uh, yeah, created by listeners just like you. So head over and get interactive with uh, other listeners as well as the hosts of the show all hanging out on the Free Talk Live BBS, and it's all totally free. bbs.freetalklive.com. President Hillary Clinton, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card. What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? 
The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Of course, talking about their brand new trigger system, which I think is pretty cool that they uh, that they finally brought that out. It's no longer you uh, you have to agree to the same thing that everyone else is agreeing to. You can really customize your sign-up. Once again, that's freestateproject.org. Continuing the discussion uh, in regards to intellectual property, specifically the copyright laws and uh, the pirate scene on the Internet, one website has managed to rise above the rest over all of the last several years, uh, the Pirate Bay which is, by the way, the piratebay.org is their site. Uh, this story from Wired.com is chronicling the history, uh, the, the current status of the website. Recently, its server room was raided by Swedish police. Uh, some of their people were arrested at that time, and you'd think that would be it. You'd think it's got to be over. But no. They're pretty serious at Pirate Bay. Yeah, they're dedicated. In fact, uh, 1.2 million of Swedish citizens even admit uh, so that's more than one out of nine. Uh, one of 1.2 million admit to file sharing. Protected by weak Swedish copyright laws, the Bay survived their attack and grew as movie studio lawyers felled competing BitTorrent trackers one by one. Today, it boasts an international user base and easily clears one million unique visitors per day. New movies sometimes appear on the top of the site's most popular list before flickering onto a single theater screen. With its worldwide following, many here in, the, in Sweden see the Bay as the devil on Sweden's shoulder, legitimizing contempt for intellectual property rights and threatening to saddle the country with a lasting reputation for international lawlessness. It's very difficult to make people act legal when they've been doing something for some time, says Marianne Levin, professor of private law and intellectual property at the University of Stockholm. She says in Sweden, the debate on file sharing came very late. And the same thing's going to happen here. Uh, you know, these... Movie companies, these record companies, have been suing their own listeners and their own viewers uh, for downloading movies and for downloading music. And it just, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, they, you can't stem the tide at this point uh, with Internet sharing. Um, there are millions of people at this very moment engaging in it. Yeah, and, and you know, there some people are getting sued. There, the, the news stories come out about it, and it's not stopping people. They're just coming up with better and better ways to do this. And, and then the RIAA and the MPAA, they're spending more and more money trying to catch these people. And I, I wonder, you know, the, the lawsuits that they get, I mean, how much do they actually collect on these things? Because it's not like the money just... Right. Shoo- comes right out of your account. If somebody sues me right now for a million dollars, guess what? They're not going to get it because I don't have it. The average person that's downloading you know, a CD on the Internet probably doesn't have $200,000 to just pay out in a lawsuit settlement. Right. So you know, how much do they get off of that, and how much do they spend in trying to stop this? It's Good not question. stopping well, sharing. And if you do the actual math on... Um how much it would cost you to fill up iPods legally through through sites like Napster and other ones where you now have to pay like 99 cents a song usually. Mm-hmm. The new ones are thousands of dollars to fill up. The new ones are coming out with because they have so much memory. You can mm-hmm. put thousands of songs on mm-hmm. there. It would cost you serious money to fill that up. I mean, so they're bi- basically we're to a point where even if you think copyright, even if it has some problems, you might think that maybe songwriters should get paid somehow. But we're just getting to a point where 
technology makes it impossible to enforce. Well, um, but what you're saying is true if you go through uh, copyrighted songs, but there are many, many, many bands out there that are offering their songs uh, you know, up on the Internet for free. Go ahead, take them, uh, share them, uh, get them around there, and then those, those bands benefit when they come to town and... You know, perform. Well, that's true. I mean, I guess the bands they're giving away for free are just doing what the uh, the bands that don't want to do that are doing anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you try to hang on to your music, you might be able to launch some lawsuits, but so far it hasn't been enough to stop anyone really. It doesn't. It, again, it doesn't engender any goodwill when you sue your listeners. No. I mean, if if uh, if a, if a band's label decided to sue me for downloading their CD, I'd make a point of never going to see their concerts again. So they're alienating their listeners. In fact, we've seen evidence of that, where many of these people who had been using file sharing as a method to listen to the album prior to purchasing it, because there have been so many music listeners that have been burned by paying 17 or $18 for an album, expecting to have something decent to listen to, and they only get one or two good tracks, and the rest of it's junk. Well, that's not, I don't know if that's burned. That's how, that's how it was when I was buying albums and uh, cassettes and, and that kind well, of thing. Well, it's crappy. That's exactly what you expected to have happen. You would buy for a single or two, <laughs> and it was huge when Madonna had four hits off of an album, when uh, Cindy Lauper had four hits off of an album. I think uh, Michael Jackson had four hits off of uh, Thriller. Those albums were tremendous. Yeah. The rest of them, you got one song, and, and the rest was crap. Well, people were tired of that crap, and so they used the file sharing as a method to grab the disc before they before they went to the store, listen to it, and decide whether or not they actually wanted to purchase it. Mm-hmm. Many of those people were going to buy CDs after the fact, but now that they've found out that the RIAA is cracking down, they've just said, you know what, why bother? I don't know what they're saying precisely. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that the fact that somebody has an iPod that has a whole bunch of uh, memory means that it's okay for them to... Uh, uh, you know, take somebody's music that they didn't uh, didn't offer up. But at the same time, if I purchase a CD and then I've got that CD and and the audio and I can't share it with Nick, it it matters how I share it with Nick. Well, you know, and then uh, when someone's pulling down audio off the internet, you know, they're taking little tiny bits of songs from all over the place. So. You know, I don't. It, it's who's sharing with who and how much. Yeah. It's a confusing situation. Well, anyway, on May 31st of last year, Swedish police finally arrived with a search warrant for the Pirate Bay, and they carted off enough servers to fill three rental trucks. The entertainment industry was quick to proclaim victory. The Motion Picture Association issued a press release announcing a milestone. Quote, the actions taken today in Sweden serve as a reminder to pirates all over the world that there are no safe harbors for Internet copyright thieves. Trumpeted MPAA Chairman Dan Glickman, but the three stewards of the site, 27-year-old Peter Frederick Niji, 28, and Gottfried Svartholm, 21, were already preparing their response. Coordinating with volunteers around the world in an IRC chat room, the trio scrambled to relaunch the bay at a new location. Peter, a slim, dark-haired, dark-eyed geek, didn't sleep those first few days fielding a stream of phone calls from the press while confronting the technical challenge of resurrecting a high-traffic site with a partial database and all-new hardware. He says they stole most of our backups as well. I managed to get some backups out of the servers while the police were in the building. Peter wasn't arrested with the others and remains anonymous. They took the reconstructed data to temporary hosting in the Netherlands, and after three days, three days after the raid that they thought was the big victory over the Pirate Bay, Bay they were back online. 
So fast was the Bay's rebound that some news articles reporting their demise went to print after it was back online, recalls Peter. The resuscitated site had a few glitches, but the resurrection was remarkable in that it had never really happened before. When the major American rights holders take a website down, it stays down. The pirates delivered a victory message to the MPAA and the Swedish equivalent, the APB. More on the way here with the Pirate Bay and their story. Your calls as well about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, a broadband version of the show, and dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Talking about piracy. But, of course, you can bring up anything. The uh, stories about the Pirate Bay, the most renowned, infamous uh, piracy website on the Internet, the PirateBay.org is their site. The uh, the RIAA, the MPAA, these uh, copyright groups, the the Feds, the Swedish APB, that's one of the uh, copyright groups over there, have been after the Pirate Bay with a vengeance. Back in May uh, May of last year, they raided their server server facilities and hauled away a truckload of uh, server equipment. They also hauled away a few people as well, but that didn't deter the Pirate Bay. Uh, they quickly worked to get their site back online. They had it back up three days from that time. And they uh, there's a little bit more to this story here, and of course would love your thoughts as well. It's just an, ex- an interesting example of where this war is going, this war between those who are ready to end intellectual property uh, and those who want to enforce it at the point of a gun. Uh, the people that are using force are just not going to win against these folks, and, and here's why. Thanks to the press generated by the raid, the Pirate Bay instantly became more popular than ever because once the raid happened, the MPAA and the FRIAA put out press releases and said, Ha! We got them! <laughs> the Pirate Bay! We got them at PirateBay.com! Ha uh, yeah. ha! The PirateBay.org. And, Whatever it is. Well, I, I hadn't heard of it until then. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, it was just like back when they talked about how, uh, you know, years ago they used to talk about how Kazaa was, you know, the, the hot file sharing software, and so it drove a whole bunch of people to go and use Kazaa for the first time. Uh, here you go again, the Pirate Bay getting a bunch of international press resulted in a whole bunch of people going to their website to find out what they're all about. In fact, the Pirate Bay instantly became more popular than ever. Their t-shirt vendor alone now has four people working full-time just to fill orders for Pirate Bay apparel. Sporting the site's pirate ship logo and skull and crossbones with a cassette tape as the skull. They're behind something like, they're behind by 2,000 orders and are working day and night to fill them. So now, Mark, would this qualify as profiting from piracy in your book? Selling t shirts? No. So so they're not selling the actual pirated software, they're not selling the pirated movies or music, but they are making money off of running the website. That's okay by you. 
Right. I, okay. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, uh, if I wanted to take my CD collection and hand it out to anybody on the street and I'm, you know, call myself the CD guy and yeah. I sell T-shirts, then I don't see any problem with that. Okay. Just checking in. Uh, Nick, you all right with that? Yeah, I I think so. I'm I I'm not I don't have a hundred percent black and white um definition of the way I feel on copyright, um or how people get paid exactly. But it sound this operation doesn't sound like something I, that needs to get shut down. Well the pirates have since moved the base hosting back to Sweden where they built technological bul- bulwarks against another takedown. Law hardening the base network architecture with a system of redundant servers that spans three nations. So shutting down the site in any single country will only cripple the pirate bay for as long as it takes for its failover scripts to execute, which is a gap measurable in minutes. So the next time they attack, if it happens again, the site will be down in, you know, for a few minutes, and it'll be back online. It won't be days this time. Mm. The various servers' locations are obscured behind a load balancer, which is configured to lie, says the crew. Once the failsafe is triggered, a determined adversary with an international team of litigators might be able to track down the servers. But by that time, according to the plan, the pirates will have deployed mirrors in even more countries. In theory, the corporate lawyers will eventually tire of this international game of copyright whack-a-mole. <laughs> with all that in place... Pretty accurate. Crew member Frederick Nige says he welcomes the possibility of another raid. He says, I really want the pleasure of it being down to three, being down three minutes, then up again. Uh, the Wired story continues. You can read it all for yourself. Uh, we'll put, post a link on the, the BBS. But that's the essence of it. I wanted to really relay the story of how they came back from the attack, the successful attack, what was thought of as a successful attack by the authorities, and have now hardened their infrastructure ever the more. So it's like the old, you know, Obi-Wan getting struck down by Darth Vader that we uh, mentioned last night. Uh, They've struck down the Pirate Bay, and now they've risen uh, far more powerful, far more popular than ever in the past. So do they want to keep attacking these people? Is it really going to do them any good to continue going after these folks? It doesn't seem like it, does it? These people are going to continue doing what they're doing. They're going to diversify, as they've already done. Uh, And, of course, even if they did shut down the Pirate Bay, as we've seen it would only mean five more websites would open up. But now, they, now, for the first time ever, they have been unsuccessful at keeping a site shut down. Until the Pirate Bay, they've always been able to successfully eliminate the website. Now they can't. So, have the tides turned? Are we seeing the beginning of the end for uh, the recording industry? I, I think that, the, that one thing's for sure. Um, regardless of where you stand on this issue, whether you believe that... Uh, Artists have the right to copyright their songs, and no one should be able to share them unless they give money to the um, artist and the record company and all that other stuff. By the way, it's mostly the record company, not the artist at mm-hmm. all. Um, the person who holds the copyright. Um, the the intellectual property uh, whole scenario is going to change. Oh, yeah. Things are That's going guaranteed. to change because they just can't stop it. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Brad in Colorado. Brad, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Can hey. you hear me? Yeah, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, um, I was just uh, I was talking to a guy about uh, Microsoft and, uh, uh, well, actually we were talking about um, antitrust, uh, monopolies and so forth. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you don't think the Microsoft was a monopoly? And I said, I said, well, no, of course not. And I think the reason why I said that, like that, and, and you know, just uh, 
like a knee-jerk reaction was because I just listened to a Tom DiLorenzo uh, speech in which he just, you know, said there's no such thing as anti uh, as a monopoly, a natural monopoly. And um, it's true. So the guy started talking about what Microsoft was doing, and I guess maybe the old liberal in me, because I used to be a liberal Democrat, mm-hmm. started. Uh, coming back and i said golly how dare they and i was uh i thought i'd talk <laughs> to you guys about it um, what are they doing well it was it was what they were doing and and when i thought about it later i thought well it just seems to me that microsoft was just better at uh building uh business relationships than their competitors and the competitors just ran to the government apparently what they were doing was they were making deals with uh companies that made computers uh where they would say listen you know you put our operating systems on your computers uh and you are not allowed to put our competitors' operating systems on on your computers. Sure. And and if you don't agree to this, then we're not going to sell you our. Uh, we're not going to let you put our operating systems all or none. In other words. Yeah, and, that uh, makes sense. I mean, they've got a hot product. Uh, they know that what they have is in demand, and uh, they can they can come they can they can make those uh, those demands. Right. And, and and does this put okay? Let's say let's say you're Dell and I'm Microsoft. Now, do you feel like? I am taking you uh, taking advantage of you, uh, of you. Am I uh, bending you backwards over a barrel or anything like that? I, so, I might be uh, bummed out that that's the deal, but that, hey, a deal's a deal, and if I want their product, I'll do what they require. Same thing happens in this industry. I don't necessarily agree with those strong arm tactics, uh, for instance, uh, but that's how it is. You know, for instance, our competitor, the uh, the evil Michael Savage, uh, his company, the company that syndicates him. They require a lot of things from radio stations to put his show on the air. I believe they require that the that all three hours be aired. Whereas Free Talk Live, if a station wants an hour of the show, fine, take an hour of the show. It's not a problem. They also require that the stations run uh, commercials outside of the uh, the show's broad uh, the show's air times. So you might hear a Michael Savage commercial, uh, not not promoting his show, but just one of the commercials that they've sold that the network has sold. You might hear it run during the Rush Limbaugh show or during some other program. But that's uh, on the station. It's, it's their show, and they should be able to set the terms that they want to exactly. Set. Well, and they can and, and because he's, he's Savage is hot stuff. He's okay, one I'll, I'll get off the air and, uh, all right. Well, thanks for the call. Thanks. You could have hung on eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one because uh, you know this is let's let's continue looking at this and what they're doing and what Google's response was recently to Microsoft's uh, offer to purchase Yahoo. You heard about the forty six billion dollar offer. Google's pissed and they're going to the government. Shame on them. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and if you want to help support the show, then we invite you to shop with us at the Free Talk Live store. Just head over to store.freetalklive.com. And take a look at the great Free Talk Live merchandise we have. It is excellent quality stuff. We've got the Free Talk Live t-shirts, hats. Uh, we've got hoodies in a variety of colors and uh, and options for you. Uh, plus, there's more. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and learn how you can get a copy of Barry Cooper's Never Get Busted DVD for free with your order. All the details are there at store.freetalklive.com. We just got off the phone a moment ago with Brad in Colorado, who had brought up the uh, the, the claim that uh, we so frequently hear that... Mono- uh, that uh, now, he wasn't making this claim, but his friend was uh, the the claim that Microsoft is a monopoly, and no, it's not. Uh, monopolies have a hundred percent of market share. Microsoft doesn't even come close to that. 
they they do pretty well when it comes to the personal PC you know PC usage uh, that that operating system market they do well there but uh, Linux has the, has it nailed down in the business market for servers and things like that Linux is uh, by far the clear winner and Apple I think is is gaining market share. Uh, right now, I, I'm not sure what their share is, but they they're doing better than they were uh, ten years ago, for instance. OS 10 rocks. I so mean, I have heard. Yeah, so I've heard. T- I, I've used it, but I, I I can't really make a an operating system sing, as it were. I I don't uh, do much on my computers, but. Well, from what I understand, Microsoft ripped off Apple with, with their newest uh, operating system with Vista. They well, ripped off OS 10, basically. Apple um, has copyrights that pretty much make it so that their operating system was the their operating system was the best first anyway they actually had an operating system um, when, a when, graphical yeah yeah gra- whatever it was um, before dos came you know when people were still using windows. dos yeah, yeah. So, so you're right about that uh, but but microsoft has managed to do it better for whatever reason they've managed to do it better they've uh, they've made their system uh, easy to use they've gotten it into people's hands they've gotten some great deals with the vendors they've gotten great deals with uh, the computer manufacturers uh, software companies are developing for Microsoft so from a business sense uh, up until this point at least they've been doing it better and that's okay that's what happens in the marketplace and what the uh, the caller originally brought up was that Microsoft sort of has a, a strong arm deal when it comes to doing a, a like a business deal with Dell computers where they say that if you want to use our software if you want to for instance sell your Dell computers with Microsoft Windows preloaded onto it which is how most people want to buy their computer. They don't want to spend the time installing click, click, operating systems. They're system. ready to go. Yeah. Right. So if you want to have your computers for sale with our operating system, you cannot offer them with anything else. You cannot give people another choice. It has to be Microsoft, and that's it. And I may not necessarily agree with those tactics, but I understand them. We experience those very same tactics in our Dell's industry. Dell's a powerful company. If they really wanted to, they could make their own operating system. Exactly. Exactly. And there is Linux out there, and it's getting better, it's getting easier to use. I don't think it's quite ready for prime time yet. And Apple doesn't allow you to, uh, it doesn't allow anybody else to use its operating system. It, it can, you can only use Apple's operating system on its hardware that you buy from Apple. Well, you, you can't, can get an emulator. I understand that, Mark, but we're talking be, about mass market computing here. That would here. work, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about mass market computing here. Uh, you'd have to run the emulator on Windows in order to, is that, would you? There are ways you can hack the Mac software to get it to run on a computer that you built yourself, but mm. it's not supported by Apple, and it will never be sold in that way, at least not right now. So well, at what, the moment, the, there is, is the... only one commercial software operating system software vendor out there, and that's that's Microsoft. Well, what, what about the one that's uh, essentially free? The, the uh, Linux. Linux. That's Linux? Yeah, as I said, it's not quite ready for prime time. Uh, okay. I'm relatively computer techie savvy, mm. if you will. Uh, and I don't like Linux just because there's Have too much. Have you tried it recently? No, but every time I try it, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, you know, and it supposedly keeps getting better and easier to use, but it's it's not easy enough for anybody. It's not easy enough for me to use yet, and it's certainly not easy enough for someone like you, Mark. No, no, uh, not so, even interested if the way you're talking about right, it. Right until it gets to the point where it's that intuitive and it's that simple. I'm going to continue to say it's it's not ready for prime time. But that's your, but you're right. It's not to say that Dell couldn't go out there and develop its own operating system, uh, should it want to. The marketplace is not closed to that. So there's nothing stopping anyone from going out there doing that. Rumor has it, in fact, that Google has been working on a, a like an online desktop. Good Lord. Where basically you would flip your computer on, and everything you do would be over the internet. All your file files would be stored online. 
you could use Firefox, you know, your computer could run Firefox for free, essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, then it would log on to Google and off you'd go. You wouldn't need anything else. Yeah, well, it probably wouldn't even be Firefox. It would probably be a proprietary Google operating system that when you flipped your computer on, mm-hmm. booted into Google OS. Uh, again, this has been rumored. I don't think it's been confirmed anywhere, but the idea is sound, and we may see this in the in the near future, where you boot into the Google Google operating system, and everything you see is being done online. You wouldn't even need a you know really need a hard drive for much beyond storing the uh, Google operating system hmm. and some local versions of uh, of your files. I can't say that I really like the idea of my files being stored online rather than on my on my computer, but you'll never have a hard drive crash. Everything that can, everything that Google does is is generally first rate. You store your stuff online, they're backed up by several hard drives. So, you know, if one of their drives goes down, it won't affect your files. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice thing. And as Internet continues to get faster, it'll be so transparent, you won't know if you're working with online files. Right. And you would think that if Microsoft was this, uh, you know, it was their monopoly, they, they're so powerful that uh, some company like Google wouldn't be able to come along and offer something like that. But apparently right. they can. And this whole idea that uh, we, we're under the thumb of monopolies, there's only one monopoly we're under the thumb of. The government. That's the government. Because if I don't choose to want to be under the thumb of Microsoft, I don't have to. Exactly. There's lots Go of things a I can do. You, you know, you can, pick, you can pick any company that you want to call a monopoly, and I don't have to deal with them if I don't want to. I don't have to shop at Walmart, I don't have to use Microsoft, and I don't have to buy oil or gasoline from one of these big companies, you know, Texan, Texas, uh, excuse me, Texco, Exxon, whatever. Exactly right. 800-259-9231. But if I don't follow one little rule that the government has, that's it. I get a fine, I get put in jail, jail. I've got some, some problem. So Microsoft uh, doesn't even qualify as a monopoly. The the marketplace is completely open, and just like Woolworths, uh, Microsoft, you know, maybe it's had its golden days. I maybe. can't see that. It, I, I, you know, you never know when it comes with these things. Things can turn around in a um, in a night. Right. It, it looks that way. It Some, looks like Microsoft has uh, hit its peak and it's you know coasting on the way down. I don't know. Something like a Google operating system could hit the scene, and it could hit, make such a splash that people adopt it because what Google could do is they could release this for free. I mean, you know how Google is. They give away so many of their applications for free, and it's usually backed up by the Google AdWords that you see when you when you type in a search on Google and you look over on the right side. They've got the AdWords uh, that are running. That's how they make the bulk of their – they make a huge load of money on that. Uh, so odds are good if they're releasing an operating system, it might be advertiser-supported and might cost the user end user absolutely nothing. Whereas Windows XP, you're going to be paying over 100 bucks for that. Windows Vista, well over $100 for that. And so that's going to be very attractive to a lot of people. If there's no entry fee and you can just try out the operating system to see what it's like, they could really make a splash. And maybe it won't be Google. Maybe, maybe it'll be somebody else. But uh, the opportunities are there. Uh, so absolutely, if Microsoft wants to use the strong-arm tactics in making deals with its suppliers and the people it does business with, fine. Because eventually, they'll, if, they, if they get too demanding, if they get too unreasonable with their demands, yeah. Dell will just say, you know what, screw it. We've had this operating system in development for a while. We're just going to bring that out now. Or whatever it is. They'll, they'll go to Linux. They'll put some pretty face on Linux or something like that. They do have other options. Right. And if go they, if they made it uh, more and more arduous for computer companies to carry, uh, you know, to put Windows on their uh, computers from the beginning, then those computer companies are going to say, yeah, I'm not interested. For some reason or another, they're going to say, no, thanks. And they're going to 
figure something else out. And if they make it too arduous for people to use their operating system in some way or another, they don't spend enough money on uh, R&D and, and some other product gets better, then people will mo- migrate over to that other product. Exactly. The and only way that somebody can be a monopoly is by providing excellent service. The same thing happens here in the radio business. Uh, as I was telling you earlier, our major competitor requires all sorts of things of radio stations. Uh, for instance, if, uh, if you take his show off the air for a night to run sports, you have to notify his syndicator what nights you took him off the air. Uh, then, then they send you commercials that you have to make good on, that the radio station has to make good on. We don't do any of that stuff. So... That allows us to be this uh, to be very competitive in that we don't have all these restrictive requirements. We don't have these corporate agreements that are so uh, just just insane with their restrictions and their rules. And program directors in the radio business they appreciate that. They don't like having to do busy work to run a radio show. They just want to put the show on the air and sell some advertisements. That's what they want to focus on. Mm -hmm. Having to jump through all these extra hoops is a pain in the butt for them. Now, Savage is the number three talk show. He's on over 300 radio stations. He might be number four now. Glenn Beck's... uh, uh, Yeah, Beck and Savage are kind of in a, a, I guess, a a fight for number three. Uh, But the point is, so he's obviously hot material... But when a station looks and says, well, Savage isn't really doing anything for us at nighttime, we could put Free Talk Live on and not have to jump through all these hoops, and maybe they'll do better. Let's give that a try. The fact that we're more reasonable and more flexible makes them uh, makes an, uh, us an, uh, a viable option for them. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up, so the same thing happens in the software business. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We continue here with your phone calls. People have been waiting patiently. We start things out with Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, good evening, boys. Anyway, uh, there's something I want to let you all know. I was talking to some of the uh, Democratic representatives. They don't even want Hillary in office, or, you know, they don't want her, period. Why is that? Sure. Because uh, I sent them some information I had on her. Oh, so it wasn't until you sent them the information that they uh, decided? They didn't know she was a communist. Communist? You've got to be kidding. Does she have a. No, uh... they didn't. Anyway, I sent them. Well, it was more to it than that, but anyway, I sent everything I had and, and faxed it to them. Isn't she a house um, from the House of David? No. <laughs> no, she's not? Where's she Bill from? Bill is. What's that? Bill is. Bill is? Hillary's some yeah. kind of, like, outhouse? Where is she from, Paula? You seem to know all these uh, things. She's, uh, from what I understand, she's, uh, her family's Jewish, as far as I know. Really? Rodham? That's what I, I heard. Know. I mean, I'm what not, do I, know? I don't know for sure, but, uh, see, Gore and, and, and Bill and, and GW, I mean, they're all uh, So David wasn't Jewish, King David? No. We're Celtic no. line. Okay. There you you look confused, well, Mark. The, Are you... There's a difference between the Jews and the Israelites. We're the Celtic. Now, Mark, you went to the Christian school, so what's all this mean? I don't understand. Well, I, I just thought the Jews were and Israelites were the same thing. What did no. I know? No. Well, you just got a schooling from Paula. There Paula, you go. what else is on your mind tonight? Anything you can else? get on ancientmanuscripts.com, and you get all the information. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Thank you. Hey, wait Everybody a minute. I thought you didn't have Internet access. Huh? 
I thought you didn't have internet access. No, I don't, Paula. but I mean, I have, you know, my, 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 I've got right around here right next door, so I mean, we get information. I mean, I know about, I mean, I've already got some stuff off, the, you know, from him. Hmm. But he's, he's from the, he's from the family too, and he's got all the information. You need to get all this, Gummy. It's going to wake you up. I see. I mean, there's a lot that people haven't been told. I don't know. I kind of like being asleep. Thanks for the call, Paula. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I have heard rumors that Clinton might have been kind of, um, like, involved with Marxism in college, but then again, a lot of people who went to school in the 60s were, and I have no confirmation of that. But, you know... I was involved in it in high school. You were a communist? Yeah, I would have called myself an an anarcho-communist, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people would have, but... uh, I don't know. Clinton is, she is a socialist. I mean, we know that much just from what she advocates openly. So it really yeah. shouldn't come as much of a surprise that she has no, kind of a left. No big surprise to, to think that she thinks that government can solve people's problems. Hey, by the way, as an aside about Paula, one of our listeners posted in the Free Talk Live uh, BBS recently that he was watching C-SPAN. And you know how they have those call-in shows from time to time yep. on C-SPAN. Guess who called into C-SPAN? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's parlaying her influence into even as, as far as C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wished it was it was unfortunate they didn't have their uh, their digital recorder running at the time, so no one was actually able to to uh, to play back the call for us. But apparently, Did she say hey, hon, when she called in. I don't know. That would have been great. Sure. But apparently, she does make the rounds. So thought I'd let you know. She's be working the, hard for liberty. Be yeah, listening for doing Paula. Her thing. Uh, when you're watching C-SPAN, if you actually watch C-SPAN. Why he was watching it, I'm not sure. 800-259-9231. I guess from time to time they'll put like Ron Paul on. They had him on a couple, uh, few days ago. I did see him on there for like a half an hour. Speaking about Ron Paul, I know you guys have been uh, looking at the results all night long, and nothing's really been going on, so maybe we'll hold off on uh, analyzing those until the very last segment. That way we can get as much of a return as possible on the Super Tuesday states here. Uh, but we continue with your phone calls in the meantime to Bradley in Canada. Bradley, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hello. Hey, Bradley. What's on your mind? Well, I was just listening to your uh, comments on Microsoft, and I, I uh, just wanted to. And people, people kind of overestimate their uh, monopoly power quite a bit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one thing, their new uh, Vista operating system hasn't been nearly as popular as they would like, and a lot of uh, companies will allow you to uh, to. Uh, install the older version, the XP, instead of the Vista when you buy a new PC. Oh, really? And Microsoft yeah. probably doesn't want that to happen. Oh, no. Originally, you couldn't do that, but then so many people complained about Vista that, that they started, like, you can get Dells and stuff with. So XP because of consumer demand, because consumers were so ticked about Vista for whatever reason, the Microsoft was, they bent to their demands. You know, I liked 3.1. I, I wish we'd go back <laughs> to that. Well, I, I actually personally know people who've, who took their pretty much brand new laptop and took Vista off and put really? XP on. Yeah, I know a couple of people who've done it, and I'm glad I, I got one with XP before Vista came out, because I've used Vista, and I wasn't really crazy about it. What is it that people aren't liking about it? I've never had the chance to uh, to touch it. Um, I've just heard it, I've heard it has problems as far as, like, glitches and people, things go wrong. People just, I think part of it was it was a new operating system, so people just blamed the operating system when maybe it was operator error, or mm-hmm. they just weren't comfortable with it but i just didn't feel that i could use it all that well i mean i'm fine with tab browsing and all that just this i just didn't like it and it had too many bells and whistles it was almost just confusing i like a straightforward operating system so i'd much rather use xp than than vista just it's just a matter of personal preference i couldn't really tell you exactly why i don't like vista i've heard it's very pretty and bradley i'd love your thoughts have you had the chance to use it uh a little bit um 
Um, yeah, it's got some uh, it's got some visual bells and whistles and that sort of thing. But the biggest thing that I've heard is that people have just had had uh, compatibility issues with it, uh, especially um, if they've had to use it with uh, older hardware or other computers. Like if they got a computer that's got XP and they got a computer that's got Vista, they don't mm-hmm. always work together real well. And Microsoft was always really good about that. You know, you could run really old software and really old hardware on any Microsoft operating system and it would work. And then Vista came out and all of a sudden that wasn't wasn't the case, so people hmm. were kind of upset about that. Yeah, that wouldn't work for me at all. I, things have to work on the computer. I don't really care how good it looks. Right, backward compatibility is very important, especially a legacy compatibility yeah. is important in the computing world. So I, I wonder why well, they would have It was weird that. because Microsoft was always really good at that. Like, that was... Yeah, well, that's how things change. You know, they drop the ball. Somebody else comes in uh, to the marketplace, picks it up, and uh, satisfies the customers that were unsatisfied. It's it's any given Sunday. We saw in the Super Bowl uh, the the Patriots were expected to win, and they didn't. They had a perfect season. They were the big boys. You would have said said they had a monopoly, but (laughs) in fact... They dropped the ball. Well, I don't know if they dropped the ball too many times, well, but they, they, they did not uh, score enough, and, and they didn't win. People tend to to trail off right at their peak. They reach what they feel they're at a peak, and they kind of plateau because they don't have to do any more work to stay sure. on top, or they don't feel that way. Right. If I had a yacht and a Learjet, I'm, I'm probably done working. You get lazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the, the new guy who's trying to work his way up, or the hungry. new company, yeah, they're, they're hungry, and they're, they're going to do whatever they have to do to beat you out and draw yeah, off at exactly. least some of your business. I I, again, Microsoft's days might be numbered. They might have, you know, they might be on their decline. Bradley, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Continuing, uh, let's talk to Kevin in D.C. Kevin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, what's going on? What's on your mind? I uh, just want to. I don't know. Do you guys have the Zipcar company by you, where you can rent out a car by the hour on a monthly plan? Mm, no, no, that's that? that's news to me. Sounds sounds like a good uh, idea. It's in a, I, mean, I guess it's just in some of the bigger cities. The problem I'm seeing right now with them, uh, people enjoy the service because when you live in a city, you don't always have the ability to have a car. So you can use the car, you know, say a couple hours a month when you mm-hmm. pay for it. The thing that's happening here is that they're getting, like, assigned parking spots on the street, not even in front of, like, their buildings, just, like, random places on the street. There are certain parking spots designated only for Zipcar. Really? And it seems like... It's way too much integration between, you know, business and government because those are parking spots that essentially my tax dollars are paying for the roads, and now I right. can't use it. Right. You can't use that uh, that particular parking space any longer because it's only reserved for Zipcar. Right. Now, Zipcar right. is only one company, right? There's not a bunch of people offering that no, it's service. Just, it's just one company does it. Ooh, that's definitely collusion. That's uh, that's nasty uh, little case of corporatism there. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough parking spots as it is around the city. Then they go and cut off, you know... Two spots each block sometimes. Right, so if somebody's not there using their zip car, then there's two spots that are open and no one else can use them. Exactly. It's just... It's very frustrating for me. Right. Now but, uh, now you've got uh, handicap parking there, um, which I'm sure those people need it. Then uh, some stores I've seen mothers with children parking, and then you're going to have zip car parking pretty soon. Right. Oh, those regular folks aren't going to be able to park anywhere. We'll <laughs> be parking out back. Yeah, I don't think they enforce the mother thing too often. No, I don't think not so either. I, but I park there. But, but I, you park I, there, and then you get out, and you feel like people are staring at you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks for the call tonight, dude. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Usually the mothers with child thing, at least from what I've seen, is in a private parking lot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there's no reason that, that they're not able to do it. I'm just saying that it's getting to be so that between that and law enforcement parking only and la la la, every every parking sp- spot's got a got a contract attached to it. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it is your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. You can, uh, indeed, some of those features include, by the way, uh, the updates. So if you get signed up, we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. It's free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made with 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. You can try their crib mas- mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. 800-259-9231. Going to your phone calls, it is Angel in California. Angel, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, guys. Hey, Angel. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, man. I don't know if the Patriots ran out of gas or they ran out of film. But <laughs> speaking of gas, guys, um, I'm just updating you. I think my my drama is coming to an end here with my whole driver's license deal. I do have a license in my possession now. It's good news. Congratulations. You've spent how long on this? Because what happened, as I recall, was the uh, state of California, they had an issue with something that I guess you had done back when you lived in a different state. Was it North Carolina or something? That's right. That's right. You You have a great memory. uh, It's okay. Sometimes it's good. It depends (laughs) on what the issue is. Uh, but but anyway, you had come back, or you California had gotten wind from North Carolina that you hadn't completed some class. You you actually had completed, but for whatever reason, the bureaucrats didn't notate it correctly, and that c- created this uh, just cavalcade of problems uh, oh, man. Th- th- that uh, prevented you from being able to drive, and it was just an absolute mess. You had to go to some class and pay hundreds of dollars in fines, all to correct an error that the bureaucrats originally made several years ago. That's right. You know, it's that it's the whole problem driver pointer system, the PDPS. I think um, I, I, my whole fear is that a lot of military people are going to come across this because I think the ball was dropped with more than just myself. You know, and um, what makes you think yeah. military people are going to come across it? Well, because I think uh, the, the military folks. I don't know the office people there just don't follow through sometimes, and that's how I got into the whole predicament. I gave my paperwork to my commanding officers, and oh, okay. they passed it along to where they were supposed to go. And my mistake was not making copies of it at that time. Mm. So, but, um, yeah, that, uh, up to about a thousand dollars later, and uh, several months. October twelfth was when I was supposed to renew my license, and um, I just got it like last week. So I think I'm in the clear. And then today I get a call from the company I was dealing with in North Carolina, who says that. Uh, well, you know, now the military has an issue with with the whole license deal. What? Oh man! So I said, I said, so you know what? I have my license. What do you mean they have a they have an issue now? Yeah. What does well, that yeah, mean? Yeah. Was it in? Did you get arrested on a military base in Onslow County? I said yes. Well, uh, now they need to see some paperwork and. <laughs> 
Oh, man. So Why like, do they need to see paperwork? Are you still uh, active with them? No, I'm not active. I've been out since uh, 96 is when I got out of the, the Marines. And what? A- I just I don't understand it. I'm like, so so. what are you saying to me, lady? I don't know what you're saying. What do they want me to do now? Do you want me to re-enlist or something? <laughs> I just don't understand. But, you know, yeah, I, I have my license in my pocket. You can't take that from me right now. Yeah, possession what is nine-tenths of the law, they say. Yeah, so... So, they want you to jump through some hoops, and if you don't, what's the threat? I don't know. She she won't... She wouldn't explain to me exactly. Probably, I asked her, well, what do you need some more money from me? And then you're going to find out. She said, no, I'm not going to... We don't need no more money, but we need to find out what the military wants to do now. I'm like, oh, jeez. You yeah. guys are the government. They're the government. Freaking handle it with your integrated computer system, yeah, you know? Yeah, obviously aren't Nobody that integrated. Nobody what a mess. I'm sorry they had to go through all that, but th- you're not the only one. You know, there there are so many people out there. Uh, we, Julia and I were out and about the other day, and yeah. we heard uh, we overheard some people talking about how they've got, you know, their inspections coming up, and they, they might not pass inspection. And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, I just wonder how many people that live in these states where they require um, automobiles to be inspected by the state, how many people have their lives revolving around getting their vehicle inspected correctly? Like somebody driving an old beater that might not necessarily necessarily pass inspection that might not necessarily have a lot of money which is why they're driving the beater in the first yeah, place yeah, right and then like you know 81 buick you know they got to run that thing through smog and this oh california is so hard oh right? california is the I worst start, of the worst i start sweating you know when i see that it's like once once you get that accomplished oh i know i'm good for two years before i have to go get the smog and all that again but uh the months leading up to it is is really uh stressful man now right. um, california is going to happen California's had this uh, smog protection stuff on vehicles since uh, the 70s, isn't that right? Yeah. Yes. Have they gotten rid of the smog yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Luckily, I live what in the, the hell are they doing? It all filters into the inland here. Yeah, it's just a big scam. Thanks for the call tonight, Angel. Appreciate hearing from you, as always, and the update as well. Uh, 800-259-9231. The inspection deals are just a scam to, to drive money to the auto dealers, to the repair shops. Oh, body shops love it. I mean, they've gotten they've gotten stricter in New Hampshire over the last few years. A lot of the like requirements about rust spots, even a small visible rust spot that doesn't affect the <laughs> the structure of the car. Yeah, Can why should that matter? Rust holes are now a problem. Oh well, it's not pretty. So who's going to argue that? Oh, people should drive around. Rust buckets. Rust, rust buckets. <laughs> well, I'll argue it. The poor people can't necessarily afford a new car. I understand you'll argue it, Mark, but that that gets enough people on their side who don't want to make that argument because they feel they're arguing for for people driving rust buckets. Yeah. That, that's how they do it. They 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 edge it along, so they take the. That's more, how it's always done with they, government. They always take the things that are a little bit unfavorable with a lot of people, and that's the first. Here's thing Here's what they I don't regulate. understand with these inspections: is uh, Florida has none. Your vehicle right. does not have to be inspected you ever. Would, you would think that the that the the highways would be littered with derelict vehicles <laughs> all over Florida. Right. But in fact, I've moved from Sarasota, Florida, to Keene, New Hampshire, and I can tell you, I've seen a lot more rust buckets up here, and I've uh, seen a lot fewer Lexuses up here. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a scam. I mean, is it every year up here, Nick, or is it every other? It's year? every year. Oh gosh, mine's coming up in March. Yeah, so. see, I don't even know this because I haven't bothered with uh, the whole registering. Well, deal. if you but if you drive a vehicle that's considered an antique, you don't have to yeah, do it, right? If, yeah, <laughs> so it, it encourages people to drive dangerous well, vehicles like uh, antiques that don't have uh, ABS and airbags, <laughs> right? 
I'll tell you what. I'm looking at getting an antique, and one of the reasons that I'm looking at doing it is because I don't have to get, you know, I don't have to pay their uh, registration fees that they have, these exorbitant fees that are essentially tax on people that want nice cars. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, because it's progressive. In Florida, it's the same for every vehicle. And then uh, I don't want to have to to go get their inspections and, and jump through all their hoops. I agree with you that the major argument I hear for inspections up here, if you argue with people about why you shouldn't have to get one, it's not that they think cars will be breaking down. It's a safety issue because people but are going. I'm telling you that they're actually <laughs> making it unsafe. They're incentivizing people to drive old vehicles. That's that's probably partly true. I don't know if people around here drive old vehicles just because. Um, and they're, they they're, they're making it so poor inspected. people have more trouble getting to work and earning money. Oh, absolutely. But but what I'm saying is that if if we didn't have inspections, um, we wouldn't have a bunch of car wrecks. I'm sure you didn't have that many down in Florida because people fix the things they need to drive safely. You're not going to drive around with no brakes. <laughs> no, you, you, right. Even a fairly irresponsible person is right. not going to do that. Sometimes they drive around with rust, but so what? It's their problem, and not a mine. lot of a lot of places when you're going in just for a regular oil change will do a you know a point inspe- you know multi-point inspection to make sure that you're okay with your brakes, yeah. to make sure that there's nothing critical that's going to go wrong, because they want you alive. The automotive uh, shops... And they want to sell you brake work. Right. They want you to come back and do more business with them. More on the way. You can bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. If you've got an inspection Hell story, share it with us. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those, including the wiki. Over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top Excuse me. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company, and you can do it in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. We continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to Jonathan in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's great. What's on your mind? Um, I overheard you guys talking about the Microsoft monopoly. It's been going on for quite a few years now. Well, people allege that it's a monopoly, but it's definitely not. <laughs> um, well, actually, what I was doing is calling out where I heard the guy was having trouble with um, the networking between Vista and XP. And I had a quick tip for him. If he went to uh, Microsoft.com to support and then downloads, he can download the, uh, it's called the LTP uh, topology display, and it will fix that issue for him. I know that Microsoft so, is expecting to release a uh, service pack soon for Vista, which is supposed yep. to fix a bunch of the problems. Uh, but but what he was really pointing out was that people that consumers were having problems with Vista, and right. not that he was in fact having the problems. Yes, there's right. probably solutions out there, but you, what you've got to do is look at a guy like me who really doesn't know what the hell he's doing on a computer, and then I'm supposed to go get a service pack, and then we'll do what with it, and that you know. <laughs> yeah. Once once somebody talks about a service pack, I hand my laptop to Ian. Mm-hmm. So I mean that is true. That's how many people want to solve their computer problems. They're like, you fix it. You sound like a. a <laughs> A pretty technically savvy kind of guy, Jonathan. Would that would that right. be right? Mm-hmm. So, have you heard about these uh, these web centered or these online operating systems, like the you know the rumored Google operating system? 
Not yet. I actually haven't got a chance to look into that yet. I'm actually getting into more of a Linux now because they have the CDs that you can just pop in your drive and run off the operating system just from the CD. Yeah, I've seen, I've heard about that, and I've yet to actually try it uh, to try that, which might be an interesting way to give Linux a try without actually having to go through the process of installing it. They uh, correct. They have- they have self-booting CDs where what you do, Mark, is you turn your computer off, you pop in this CD with Linux on it, you turn your computer on, and you boot into Linux, but nothing happens to your Windows. It's still there on nope. your computer. It's just it's booting the, the operating system from the CD, uh, so it might be an interesting way to, to, to play Nopix around. Is a good one. Uh, Nopix is a good one for that, and so is Free Spire. Very good. Thanks for the recommendations Windows, tonight, dude. Linux-based programs, so... Yeah, we don't want to get too techy. We don't want to get too techy on the show because you know this is a general interest program, and we can't just you know it's not Kim Commando, for instance. But thank you yeah, for the call exactly. tonight, dude. We we'll also want to let you know that uh, yeah. first time talk show listener and first time caller. Oh wow, Thanks. congratulations, so, and thank you for the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We can go to a certain point, but you, you've got to always keep these computing discussions on a level that Mark can at least wrap his head around. If if Mark is is uh, gazing off with a glazed look in his eye, then we know we've gone too far. So uh, we continue here. 800-259-9231. If you're ever confused about something, call in. We'll be happy to clarify it for you. I'm a whiz in, in Microsoft Word, I can tell you that. Hey, still to come here, uh, the update on the poll results. I know you guys have been uh, collecting and collating through the last three hours. Uh, we'll check in with you guys here in a moment on that. Uh, but first, a quick email from Stephen. He says, upon reading uh, reading a smear piece recently rehashed from the New Republic, uh, you remember the one where they attacked Ron Paul for the uh, the alleged racism in his newsletters? Right. Uh, which, uh, it was racism, racism, but they were alleging it was Ron Paul's racism, right. and it, it wasn't. It was someone else. He says, I started thinking about why these things happen. In order to make my point, I have to back up a moment and propose a problem that comes with, a newfound, with newfound freedom. Liberty must take hold somewhere first, i.e. it won't spontaneously be deployed across the country in one fell swoop. Let's take New Hampshire, for example. Let's assume the Free State Project succeeds, that's succeeds, not secedes, uh, that we are successful, and New Hampshire is given back its liberty. Many new opportunities will arise everywhere. However, the most noticeable and earliest of these opportunities could uh, very well be industries that are associated with sex, drugs, and gambling. Uh, I would think that that would be likely. Why? Well, because these industries are currently some of the most prohibited by the law. I propose that the early adopters of this new freedom would most likely be people that realize that businesses that are prohibited in the entire surrounding region will be lucrative in New Hampshire. In very short order... New Hampshire could be turned into a combat zone-like state, like one gigantic red light district. The citizens have their freedom, but now their towns are polluted because these legal yet undesirable businesses have converged en masse on a relatively small geographical area. Please comment on this dilemma. Now, and it's a good. It, this is a good question. I think that there's t- sort of two faces to this. Um, there's the the sort of. Um, you know, some people believe that organized crime, once you have gambling, you have organized crime, and that's just the way that is. And uh, I, I did correspond with this, uh, this emailer, and he wasn't talking about that specifically, but let's, let's talk about that real quick. Um, yeah, organized crime not running Las Vegas right now. You know, it's 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 turned into a business. Gambling's a, a a business, and so is prostitution, and it's it's not the hustlers out the, there making the money. Are the Indian casinos run by the mafia? Mm, no, no. <laughs> so what, it's the mafia that runs gambling where it's prohibited. It's the organized crime that's involved in gambling where it's prohibited by law because that's what organized crime does. They 
traffic. They don't, mess, they don't mess that much with gambling. Well, no. but if they are going to, then then that's something they can do. If it's a prohibited product or service, then it is the uh, the, the the purview of the gangsters. Well, you also have to consider even even if you're not going to have organized crime. I think what he's alluding to is. Are, are people really going to want to the have a casino at one end of the street and a brothel at the other? You have to ask yourself, is overnight, are we going to have heroin become legal, prostitution become legal, casino gambling become legal? I don't think that's the way it's likely to work, at least not in the short-term future. You're more likely to see marijuana get decriminalized. Um, it's probably going to be a slow process. Some casino gambling, but the towns but are probably can, still going to have some say over where you can build a casino. Prostitution is essentially legal where we are um, you know, in Florida. There are these underwear modeling places where you can go get an intimate massage. And <laughs> <laughs> an erotic massage. Right, they're right, they're right there as you go down Highway 41 in uh, Sarasota, Manatee counties. And I'm sorry... I, 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 I'm, I'm just uh, really sure that what they're doing in there is not modeling underwear and giving erotic <laughs> massages. They're, they're, you know, doing some kind of prostitution or another, and somehow they, they are overlooked. They get busted now and then, but I'm thinking they're not giving the right payoffs or something to the cops. Yeah, does it affect the neighborhood? Sure, it does. Um, in some cases, you'll have, uh, you know, these adult-oriented uh, things in the, in the worst. Part of town now. Does that mean that that makes that part of town the worst? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the real estate. But I can also tell you that there's some really great real estate sitting down the the road from uh, some of these, um, you know, ad- adult places, and it doesn't seem to affect their uh, bottom line at all. You know, the value of their property. Well, you also have to assume if if overnight, if we did have the scenario where everything became legal, government virtually disappeared or disappeared. Um, you're also going to have much lower taxation, no le- well, no regulation or taxation if you have no government. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly, I don't think it would just be the what are currently illegitimate businesses taking off here. If this were the only place in the country that didn't have taxes, for example, you you would probably see a lot of companies want to move mm-hmm. here. Just what we think of now as legitimate businesses, because there's no taxation or regulation. Right, it'd be an economic explosion. Right, so I don't think you'd see just the the and smut businesses what moving I've, in. And what I've proposed and all along is that they have, in fact, red light districts in um, given towns. That way, people can this you know can go to these places and and have you know their their freedom and in, in the area that they want to have it, while at the same time everyone else isn't uh, bothered by it. If you have your casinos um, and your you know I don't think casinos are a problem. I think a casino is great. I think it, it you know, it's it, they look fantastic. Yeah. But if you have your, uh, you know, uh, prostitution and um, you know a certain area, then I, I think that people will want to go to those areas. It'll it'll help business for those prostitution places rather than, um, you know, having them all spread around the city. I think that it, it won't affect property values that way. That that would be the very best thing for. You know, a place like New Hampshire, it really works. Well, and uh, and these are definitely things we're going to come up against as these issues come up for discussion, as we see more more civil disobedience uh, in regards to some of these issues, like uh, like legalizing drugs or re-legalizing drugs. These are going to be things that questions that are going to be asked that we'll need to have good answers to. And I want to come back and uh, continue this discussion and take your calls as well if you've got them eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one because there are those people out there that uh, they want to shield their children from even seeing. A, uh, a porn store, for instance, and those are going to be the people we're going to be debating against. Uh, so is there any way we can set their minds at ease? More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. 
Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there. We give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. You want to help support the show? Shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link will result in a percentage of your purchase going to Free Talk Live. So head over and shop at amazon.freetalklive.com. Also, if you need movies, lingerie, and marital aids, adameve.com has got a special offer for you. Go to adameve.com slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off if you enter through adameve.com slash talk. Uh, continuing here with an email from Stephen, he's, he's bringing up a, a, what I think is an objection that we are going to hear in the future. As the message of liberty continues to, uh, to penetrate into the population and people start to get it, and uh, more and more people are hungering for their freedom back, then uh, inevitably some people are going to come up with the objection that, well, w- well, wait a minute, we can't do this freedom thing. There might be too many prostitutes. There might be too many drug businesses. We don't want to turn our whole state, for instance, New Hampshire, into a big red light district. What about the families? What about the children? You can hear people almost sure. uh, coming up with this objection. I, I can tell you that I, I really wouldn't be terribly interested in having a brothel right across the street from my house. Well, of course, it would be up to the business or to the uh, the landowner, the property owner across the street, whether or not he wanted to rent to a brothel mm-hmm. in the first place. So there may be some level of business, you know, business ostracism that that might be a factor. If, for instance, uh, you know, a, a religious zealot owns a bunch of property, clearly he's not going to allow a, a brothel to open up on his property. Right. Well, a brothel is uh, is a, it's a funny sort of business. Um, you, since you can operate, uh, you know, your business in bedrooms, they can actually use houses. Right. And in you know a world where y- y- there is no government at all to control these kind of things, where there's no zoning rules at all and that kind of stuff, then you're talking about, yes, there very well could be a brothel right across the street because it would be run out of a house. And you might not even know about it necessarily. No, you'd know about it. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if if it was one gal running a brothel, perhaps not. But if there's seven ladies in there uh, plying well, their wares, yeah. But if, I don't know. I where mean, are they, where are these gentlemen going to park? Well, that's an well, issue. Are the girls going to park? Well, there would be people parking in the street. But what would you really see of the activity? Men park in the street. They walk in the door. They but, walk out. But with now, a wait a minute. How about the staggering? You think there'll be some staggering? The, wait a minute. The park. Because is... I drove a cab, and I can tell you that it. Um, you know, when I uh, when I was during the day, I wasn't driving very many guys to these uh, lingerie modeling places. But at night, when they were s faced, I was driving a whole bunch of them. That's but, true at McDonald's too. People usually go to McDonald's when they're drunk and high quite often. I drove to a lot of restaurants for uh, people that were sober, and and I'm telling you that perhaps that's true for McDonald's, but uh, I I don't know. I haven't looked at the uh, statistics on this. I think Taco Bell might really have that market, actually, but um, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of problems. I don't if you think don't the parking do some kind of zoning rules. No, you're not, because you're talking about a, a world in private property. Okay, we're talking about a world where private property is respected and everything's based off of that. So parking would be a no, major issue. No, we're talking issue. about changing. Uh, we're, we're we're talking about a free state being successful, and it's right. only going to be successful gets to that... in increments. 
And so I know that, Mark, but the theory here, the question is, what if it all happens at once? And is that really what the question is? Well, he's talking about gambling and prostitution. Well, you know, what if we got our liberty? I think people are far more concerned with what's going to happen, um, you know, in the next two years than what they are in the next 20. Well, remember that we don't have zoning already in some New Hampshire towns, so it's not that we necessarily have to get rid of it. Let's say one of these... Those aren't towns, Nick. Those are optimistic gas stations. <laughs> there are only a few towns in New Hampshire. I'm sorry. That's true, but you could have somebody down the street within view of your house theoretically the hold is not just part of the town doesn't have zoning there are some areas that don't have zoning where you might considerably have two houses with an eye shot of each other so the argument could still apply or they get you know if brothels are legal or I would think whatever it would activity. seem to me that if you're going to uh, open a brothel you would have to do it in some kind of populated area and of course. it would be those populated areas they would they would need to set aside some area for the, you know the sort of the red light district that would be a way that but would that, sort of that's be requiring inher- some government intervention I'm I'm telling you what's going to work Ian not what you would like to see Well how dare you suggest that government central planning works Mark um, I'm suggesting. Why don't you let people do business on their own and make decisions for themselves? How about that? Because Mr. Know It All, we've done that, Ian. Look what we got. What are you talking about? Well, well yeah, there's Houston's doing just fine. No without compromises, zoning. and look what we've got, my friend. No compromises. I demand all freedom right now. And do they care what you think? I don't really get your point, Mark. Okay, the bureaucrats. We're the, talking about the future Americans where we can actually are have freedom with their families. Yeah. No, we're talking about how to successfully move from what we've got now in New Hampshire mm-hmm. to what we would have in the future, um, you know, more freedom. And I'm telling you that the only way to successfully get it is through incremental, um, incrementally, and that way is through zoning. So now you're arguing for zoning, Mark. I'm, do you want freedom? That's not zoning. Okay, I'd like freedom from zoning first. Before I don't really care about brothels or pot bars or um, gambling. None of those things really matter to okay. me. I would prefer to have freedom from zoning. So, but you just argued for zoning a moment ago. Now you're talking. I'm about telling you, want- you how you would get freedom in the area of pot bars, <laughs> um, prostitution, and uh, gambling. Is that not what we were talking about? I don't think that will stop the uh, the anti-pot bar, anti-gambling, anti-prostitution people from continuing to lobby against that idea. The it idea would take putting... their biggest argument, their most, uh, you know, the, their, 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 the argument that people would uh, respond to the most, and it would do away with it. Well, I'm talking about answering these objections without rela- uh, re- without relying on some governmentally imposed solution. Well, sure, uh, you've got a pie-in-the-sky thing that you're talking the, about. The, the, well, the great. fact of the matter, though, Mark, is that your side hasn't worked either. Asking for... Or brothels with zoning, the people who want to move significantly towards liberty, but they want to make some concessions along the way. There's not enough cry for these things. Right, but you can make the same argument that there's just not enough people making the cry on the anarcho-capitalist side either. Neither side has really moved liberty forward in the last couple decades. We've just kind of backslid and maybe held our ground on a couple issues. I'll admit that it might be pragmatic to make some you know zoning might still be here will I'm sure it will maybe be. you can what if I don't want to have my business located right next door to my competitor you're telling me I'm not going to have that freedom if I want to do business in the realm of uh, selling marijuana I would think instance. that that would be a point to bring up after you have a business well, because currently you don't not in the prostitution, pot bar, or gambling arena, because it's illegal in New Hampshire. That's a nice dodge, Mark. But, well, we do have a real-world incremental reform right now um, on marijuana reform in New Hampshire to decriminalize up to an ounce and a quarter of marijuana mm-hmm. and make it a $200 fine. So, 
would you say that's a step forward, Ian, or would you just? Oh, I'd say it's a step forward. I, I support incremental change as long as we're moving in the right direction. Well, absolutely. All I'm proposing is logical steps and logical increments, Ian. Well, it's not logical to, t- to have government bureaucrats decide for you where you can put your house or your business, and that's what zoning's all but about. But it is logical to fine an adult for possessing a small amount of marijuana. No, it's outrageous, and I wouldn't recommend anyone pay those fines. Right, but I think that's where Mark's coming from here, is you might not get the whole pie at once. You have to I kind understand of where move Mark's coming direction. from here. And I'm talking about responding to the objection about, well, what would happen if we had real freedom where people could build what they want where they want? What? How do we respond to that objection? And what I would suggest is that you'll never be able to convert those who want total, you know, they want to shield their children from seeing, you know, a girl in a bathing suit walking down the street. They want to shield their, this is the mentality we're talking about, the people that want to shield their children uh, from the realities of life. We're never going to win with those folks completely. We're never going to be able to convince them to allow these things in their, in the areas that they live in. What I hope that we can do is eventually, you know, show them that these things are going on whether they like them or not. And that if they want the freedom to educate their kids in what way they want to educate them, to send them to religious schools, for instance, to try to give them the, the perks of, of how freedom would benefit them from their viewpoint, uh, then they have to understand that in order to have freedom for themselves, they're going to have to 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 respect others and allow those other people to have the freedom to do the things they want to do. Inevitably, there are going to be people that just won't want to allow that, and we're going to conflict with those people, I think. I don't think there is any real good answer to that. I'm not sure I entirely conflict. If somebody opened a brothel across the, uh, across the street from my house, I can see me having a lot of problems with living there. Go still. move into a deed-restricted neighborhood where that kind of thing can't happen. That's All right? I probably well, would in There's your solution. Well, that, would, that would happen. I don't think people really like the idea of being, uh, you know, moving from today where we don't have, you know, where they don't have that problem to deal with to you presenting them with a very big problem, a problem where they move and they don't want to move from their house, the house that they love and the house they enjoy. Yay. Look what freedom has wrought me. I, you're, you're not po- supplying that person with answers. Freedom's all about answers. And, you know, this this whole total freedom thing, foisting it upon people, it's yucky. Yeah, but bro- brothels aren't a unique problem. What if somebody wanted to build a trucking company across the street from you? I take it you don't You can't support- run a trucking company out of a house. There is currently no. a big house across the street from you. You live in an I'm industrial just- area where there's a U-Haul across the street from you no, as well. It's a, it, it's commercial area. I'm asking if there's Not no industrial. zoning. You don't believe in zoning, correct? No, mostly, no. So- okay, do you or don't you? Cause oh, can someone, if when it someone, comes to brothels, I do. Okay, but somebody can build a, a trucking company and run trucks at all hours of the night. They do run trucks uh, across the street from me. It's a U-Haul place. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, it's just your object. You know, you've got one thing you object to, and everybody's got something they would object to. I wish we had more time, but we don't. We're done for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com, we'll talk about Ron Paul then. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.